Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 147. Usually I drop an episode uh, once a week, but obviously because of the World Cup, um, I've been pretty much doing one right before all the Portugal matches, giving you plenty of time to listen as well as uh, get my preview and uh, you know my talk on probable lineups. And here I am again uh, a few days after dropping the last one, uh, dropping episode one of 47. Um, two parts to this episode. Let me lay it out for you depending on if you just came here to listen to the World Cup preview or if you came here to listen to the Liga latest information or if you came to listen to both. Uh, first half of this episode will be about domestic news. Uh, the, the League Cup has been going on in Portugal. We had a managerial change in Portugal. Porto looks like they're going to build their youth academy. I got a little bit to say about that. Ruben Amarim from Sporting. Uh, got his contract renewed, so a lot of news about that domestically. And then in the second half of this episode, I'm going to talk about everything associated with the World Cup, probable lineup, what happens when Nuno Mendes are not available, is it a good idea to maybe move Cancelos to a spot and put Delo on the right? Um, what happens uh, with uh, Portugal? Do you rest players on Friday? Um, you're playing for first place, which probably gives you a high degree of avoiding Brazil in the round of 16. Uh, I got some thoughts about that because I do think Fernando Santos is going to play a very, very good lineup. So I'll give you my uh, prediction. Uh, and then really previewing as well the match against South Korea. Um, and I'm not going to say the South Korean names. <laughs> you know, I have a hard time sometimes saying the Portuguese names, but I'm definitely going to give you a good preview and uh, give some thoughts as well about Paulo Bento, who's not available to manage South Korea. The Obviously, you know, Paulo Bento was the previous manager before Fernando Santos, but uh, I'm sure having a Portuguese manager managing against Portugal isn't a good thing as well, and I'll, I'll express to you my concern uh, with that. But let's get going through the first, again, first part of this episode, domestic news. Second part will be the World Cup. Uh, obviously, the League Cup is really what it's been all about uh, in Portugal outside of the uh, World Cup. Um, this is a competition that a lot of people like. I'm one of them. Uh, and a lot of people don't like. One, because they just don't like it, period. They think it's just uh, unnecessary matches on the schedule. And B, they don't like it even more because it's taking place now during the World Cup when some of the big clubs don't have all their players available, such as a Porto Manfica and uh, Sporting, uh, so to speak. Uh, so it just depends. And it's kind of been weird. Uh, first off, look, it's been weird the fact that we're having a World Cup in in uh, November and December coming up. So let's not, uh, you know, it is what it is. But it's also been kind of weird because... This has been happening, but I don't think it's gotten a lot of attention. Um, Benfica did have something like over 40,000 at their match last week for the uh, Tasa de Liga. And then Sporting tonight, I think I read, was something like 14,000. Um, but mostly the crowds haven't been very good. But there has been people watching it on television. Um, and as a result, we do have it. But one of the other things that I don't like about the League Cup, and again, I'm for this competition. I think it's a great idea, as I've said before to be playing this now. But at the end of the day, my main concern um, is the fact that if you did this during the season when play resumes, you're going to have 
all these people complaining about playing in Europe, playing the Tasso de Portugal, playing the Liga, and now you have another competition. You do this now during the World Cup and you get most of the matches out of the way. It helps ease the congestion of the schedule once you start getting into resuming uh, the Liga next month. So I think for that reason, I think it's a fantastic idea, but a lot of people don't see it. But there are some things, though, about the World Cup I don't like. For instance, Benfica has already played two matches. And now their players are on something like a 10-day vacation. And will that hurt their momentum? By the way, is that going to hurt their momentum? Uh, That's going to be interesting to see. And then you have a club like Sporting in Group B, which also includes Sporting. uh, They beat Ferenc uh, 6-0. Ferenc from uh, the Algarve. And then the other group match is coming up is between Meritimo and Riwa. That will be coming up the day I drop this episode. Um... And they only started playing now, whereas there's already a, uh, some teams in the league that have played two matches, and here you have this group that's finally getting started. So it's been kind of weird like that for me um, in the sense that they're not kind of all playing much like a tournament schedule. You know, you've got some teams that have already played, and you've got some teams that have started. So to me, that's a little bit weird. Porto's only played one match. You know, they played last uh, Friday. They don't play again um, until like something like December the 8th. Um, and Porto's a little lucky because Estacchio with Canada um, has been eliminated. Um, so he's going to be in Tareme. He's been eliminated with Iran. So in a way, it works out perfect for Porto's schedule when they play Shavs at Shavs because Shavs basically, um, you know, is going to be a tough match. And they're going to have those two players available because, uh, well, in the case of Iran, that's it. They're done. So Tereme will be back in Porto shortly. And Canada's got one more match. And then there's no reason for Stakio. He's going to come right back to Portugal to get ready for the League Cup. So that's kind of been the weird thing about it has been the scheduling. It benefits, I think, Porto in this case. Benfica played two matches. Now they go away on vacation for like 10 days or something. Then they come back and they play the match to win the group against Moreirense. And, you know, I had talked about this, and, and again, a reminder, I had a few episodes ago, Cristiano Oliveira, 10CO10 is his Twitter handle, and uh, Chris was on, we, we were talking before the World Cup started, so much stuff we spoke about that still you can listen to today, and it's relevant. And he was saying that he was worried, would Benfica lose their momentum, um, especially now with this break, and now you have this 10-day break, them going on vacation, is this going to hurt them when they come back and play the second division's best team to try to win the group and qualify? Because remember, only one team in the group advances. Um, and, uh, you know, will Benfica be hurt with that? So there's a lot of weird things going on with the scheduling that I don't uh, necessarily agree with it. And let me also add that my last episode, 146, I had Nino Torres from Gold TV on, and he wasn't... I don't think that much of a fan either of the Elite Cup, but he had some things to say about it. And by the way, on that episode, um, we spoke a lot about the Liga, the players, the managers, everything about the first 13 matches of the Liga B-Win season. And that is still relevant. Hey, you can listen to it next week. It'll still be relevant. Uh, If you miss the Liga like I do and you're a little nostalgic, I encourage you to uh, check it out. But the Liga, the Tasa of the Liga is what it is. Uh, Looking ahead through the groups, uh, Group A, uh, you got four teams all tied with one point. All of them have scored two goals and given up two goals, and that's Porto's group with Porto Chaves, Vizela, and Mafra. Vizela made some uh, news um, this week. They have basically parted ways with their manager, Alvaro Pacheco. 
Uh, basically, there's a new administration at the club, a new business partner, and they apparently, according to a statement, just did not see eye to eye with Dalvaro Pacheco. Uh, I don't know what the disagreements were. He probably is realistic about them being a middle-of-the-pack team. These new group of uh, investors coming in probably want to do better than middle-of-the-pack. Maybe that was a little bit of uh, difficulty there. But Alvaro Pacheco is no longer manager. They're under 23 manager. Tulipa, who's, uh, I believe he's managed a few other clubs, mostly in the second division in his career. He's going to be taking over at Vizela. But basically, interestingly, Group A, you've got four teams, all of them with one point, and all of them with two goals scored and two goals suffered. Group B, which started Sporting beating up on Fadens from the Algarve, 6-0. Sporting up on top. Riwav and Meritimu will get to play their first match. Uh, the day I dropped this episode. Group C, I told you about Morinense and Benfica, six points each. Astrul Amador and Penafial with zero points. Morinense, Benfica pretty much playing. Again, only one team goes through to the quarterfinals, and that's going to be a match that will be coming up. Uh, group D, Braga is in first place uh, in this group. They've only played one match. Uh, Braga, Passos de Freira, Casapia, and Trofens. Braga's got three points, uh, defeating Trofens. Passos and Casapia each have one. Moving along quickly here to Group E, Gil Vicente. Has all, this is a group, by the way, where they've already played two matches. Uh, Gil Vicente leading the way with four points. Nacional with three. Portimonense, three and Cuvilla won, so Gil Vicente in control in this uh, group. Group F, uh, you've got some teams that have played two matches, others that have only played one, but Boa Vista in control with two wins, six points. Guimarães has played one less match, but they only have one point, so they're already way behind. Vila Frequente has one point, and Bissad is in last place with zero. And then the last two groups that are left, Leixões. From the Porto suburbs, Matosinhos, they are in first with six points. Feirense from the Santa Maria de Feira. Uh, and Olivarense, a suburb, a club from the suburb of Porto, they each have two points. And Aroca and Santa Clara uh, have uh, one point each. And by the way, Olivarense has already played three matches. Again, I talk about the uneasiness of the schedule, how uneven it is in terms of who's played matches, but whatever. And then the last group match, and uh, this is also a group with uh, five teams in it, Academico de Viseu 2, Torrientes 2, Tundela 2, Fama 1, and Estoril 1. Um, again, a lot of matches to be played in this group, but Academico de Viseu, they're being led by Jorge Costa, who has been brilliant. As a manager, since he took over in the middle of September, he's got that second division club battling up near the top uh, as they're working their way to the top. They're still a little bit in the middle, but I think they've got something like nine wins and two draws in like their last 11 matches. They've been near perfect. A man, it's amazing what a manager will do when they will come in and just change a few things and just it just make a big difference. Will Tulipa do that with Vizela? When he takes over as manager for Vizela, we'll see. But uh, that's your story for the TAS of the League. And again, I've been paying attention to it. I've been providing information. If you want the full standings and schedule, no better place to find it easily than, of course, PortugueseSoccer.com or PSoccer.com. Other news domestically, uh, some news with Porto. Looks like they're going to get their academy built in Maya, which is a suburb of uh, Porto along the A3 highway. Uh, word is that Porto will pay... Uh, well, first of all, sponsorship. So obviously, someone's going to be naming. They'll get sponsorship to help pay for the place. But uh, the local government will essentially be the one 
helping to build it. And then Porto will pay, according to what I've read, this might change, uh, paying rent for like 20 years. And then eventually Porto takes over. My only thing about this is that a lot of times when you do stadiums, a lot of times when you do training facilities, they usually don't last for 20 years or, or some of them don't. Um, usually there's a need to kind of, you know, maybe not in Portugal, but it's true around the other parts of the world. When stadiums get old, like 20 years old, you're already thinking about a new one. And in the case of a training facility, that might be the same case too, where I know some people think 10 years is too old for a training facility. But Porto's in the news, and that's something that they've been uh, trying to do. Um, Ruben Amarin, sporting's manager, renewed until 2026. Obviously, it's been a tough season for Ruben Amarin. I don't think it's his fault, although one would argue he needs to do a better job. But at this, having said that, losing uh, the players that he lost in the summer, um, he was not happy, but apparently he worked it out. And uh, he's going to come back, and uh, he's extended his contract until 2026. His release clause, though, did not change. It stays at uh, $30 million. And I thought that was a, uh, you know, I thought that was a little bit of a, a surprise. I would have figured that they would have uh, changed that. Um, and that's pretty much what you've got going on uh, domestically. Another news that I'll talk about, uh, I could have talked about this in the World Cup part, but let me talk about this here. And that is Juan Felix. Uh, great match against Ghana. Uh, he's playing in the World Cup. Uh, he's been linked to leaving Atletico Madrid. It'll be curious to see what will happen uh, with him. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, apparently there was a report that a club from Saudi Arabia, this is old news, but it got reported again, are looking to spend something like two to $300 million. There's going to be a lot of sponsorship money involved um, to bring him to Saudi Arabia. And it's a lot of money. A lot of money to turn down, even though this guy already has a lot of money and he's going to make a lot of money for the rest of his life. Um, and the question for me with Cristiano, again, is do you want to play? Because if you go to Saudi Arabia, the play, the level of play there is going to be a lot lower. You may get very frustrated that you're not going to be getting the ball delivered to you the way you like it. Um, you may find expectations are going to be too high. All of a sudden, you go out there, you play a few matches... And next thing you know, your team loses a few matches, and guess what? You're gonna, you're the one that's gonna, you know, take the blame for it. Um, so a very interesting situation with Cristiano in terms of, you know, what is he gonna do? Uh, I'm actually reading up on this story right now. Uh, the headline on ESPN uh, is 300 million dollar deal from uh, Saudi Arabia for a three and a half year contract, which comes out to about 119 million per year. So it's very simple for Cristiano. A do you want to play top-level football? And if so, you've got to find a club to do it in Europe, even if that means playing Europa football, because we don't know how many clubs playing Champions League football are going to go after him. That's number one. And number two, um, do you want to maybe instead go play in North America, Major League Soccer, where obviously from a business standpoint, and he is a businessman, let's not forget the guy promotes a lot of products. He owns property. He's He throws his name. He gives his names to the hotels. Coming to America is a natural step for that. Um, he's not really not going to make as much money as he did in Saudi Arabia. I mean, you're not going to make any money else, anywhere. The only that type of money in Saudi Arabia. But if you go to MLS, Major League Soccer, there is an opportunity for you to build your brand and only make you more money in the future. On the other hand, while I believe that MLS, Major League Soccer, is much better league than Saudi Arabia, especially from a competitive standpoint, again, it is not probably, and, and someone will get angry if for saying this, it may not necessarily be the high level that he's used to, and is he going to be comfortable coming to MLS and, and having to deal with that drop-down? There was a story about Messi 
perhaps being in the mix with uh, with uh, Inter Miami, uh, and obviously if uh, if he would go to Inter Miami and Cristiano were to go to MLS, I would recommend going to the New York teams. Um, I had a great interview. We talked about this a few episodes ago with Cristiano Oliveira, where you know why would you come to New York City? Why would you come to a city where it's cold? Well. Most of the season is from March until November, and you avoid most of the cold. And again, whether you agree with me or not, New York is in a lot of ways, for many reasons, the capital, not just of business, but Fifth Avenue business. Some of the biggest teams in the world play in New York. It is one of the biggest cities in the world. And some say it's, you know, the biggest city, the capital of the world. Uh, You may agree or not disagree with me on that, but from a business standpoint, everybody has a headquarters in New York, and this could be a good opportunity for him. So we'll see what happens with Cristiano. I will say that I'm glad that the noise about Cristiano going to a new club hasn't been that big. I will say that so far, I think with the World Cup, it's been about the World Cup. I think there has been controversy, yes, but I think more and more the talk has been about the World Cup, some of the surprise results. And I think that's played very well uh, so far. But again, we still have a lot of ways to go. And, uh, you know, I think uh, we have a lot to be happy about. But coming up, part two, I'm going to go really deep now, talking about Portugal in the World Cup in this shortened version of a World Cup preview ahead of uh, South Korea. Again, thank you for everyone to listen. By the way, i got to say very quickly before I begin part two, um, I'm on a lot of platforms, uh, iTunes, Spotify, and FM, Podcast Static. I was just asked to be on Amazon Music. Uh, in case you didn't know, we are back on uh, YouTube, so I'm putting that uh, back on. And uh, um, Spotify does this thing where they call it a wrap. And what it is is it kind of reviews your analytics for the year as a podcast. And I had some incredible – it took forever, by the way, to go from one page to the other. That's my only complaint about Spotify. But um, – my view, by, by the way, I do a podcast just about every week. I was doing the same thing last year, so you could compare it. 70% increase in listens, 52% increase in followers. Um, major countries, obviously the top four countries, or really any country that would have an English account, obviously United States, Canada, England, um, Australia, South Africa. And obviously I also had a fair amount of followers as well from Portugal. So again, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my, my heart uh, for listening. And again, whether you listen to a small part of it or all of it, thank you. And obviously, the best way you could support this podcast across all the platforms, whichever one you decide to listen to it, is just give it a follow. But anyway, uh, coming up next, let's go to uh, part two of my podcast about the World Cup. <laughs> Part two of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Welcome back here to do my World Cup preview between Portugal and South Korea and us as well talk about the injuries that Portugal has been dealing with, who should be in the starting 11 on Friday, and really everything else that's been going on with the Silisong. Um, But a few things first off to uh, talk about. Number one, the biggest news uh, coming out of uh, the Portugal camp ahead of South Korea was that Nuno Menge, uh, who got injured and had to be substituted uh, in the game against Uruguay. He apparently, uh, his injury is so serious that it looks like he might miss the rest of the World Cup. Now, he is staying in with the squad in Qatar. Uh, the thinking is they want to keep him around the team. And according to Pedro Sepulveda, um, the Portuguese Fabrizio Romano, he that the reason why they're doing this is because they want to keep him around just in case he may be available to play in the final. And um, let me just say, personally for me, I, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if let's say he were available to play in the final, 
uh, the players that got you to the final and that played on that left side, I mean, all of a sudden you're just going to put them on the bench because Nuno Mensch is available. And the player who got you there, you're not going to keep playing him there. I mean, that doesn't sound like a very smart tactic. Uh, but maybe you could come on late in the game as a sub. I mean, he's fast. He brings a lot of power on that left side. So maybe there, you know, regardless of whether or not you know we're thinking about ninety minutes. Hey, this is a this is a ninety minute game, and maybe having the ability to have that option late in the game in the final is not necessarily a bad idea when you really think about it. But unfortunately, until then, and obviously Portugal's got to make it to the World Cup final, and there's a lot of work to be done to get there. Um, it's just disappointing to see him, but at least he gets to be around the team. Uh, he doesn't get sent back to Paris, and that's it. Goodbye. Uh, I think stuff like that hurts people's confidence. It hurts people. I think, you know, you want to keep them and, and keep them around the team and, and make them feel good um, and get them a taste of what it's like to be at this level because he's going to be playing for Portugal for a very, very long time. But Portugal does have a concern, though. They've got Ruben Diaz, Juan Felix, Ruben Nemes, and Bruno Fernandes on yellow card danger. Uh, the rules are that if you get a yellow card on Friday, you're suspended for the round of 16. If you get a yellow in the round of 16, you're suspended then for the quarters. And then in the quarters, everything uh, resets and it goes back to zero cards for everybody. So uh, basically, your next two matches, uh, these players have to be very careful. But obviously, Portugal has won the group, number one. Um, and the question is, is do you play your best 11 like you're playing a final against South Korea on Friday? Because one, you want to win the group. But most importantly, I think, number two, you want to avoid Brazil, okay, in the round of 16. And Brazil right now is in control in first place, much like Portugal, but you don't want to take any chances. This is, after all, sports. Sometimes things don't happen according to plan in sports. The best stories are usually the things that you least expect it to happen, and they happen, and you got to be very careful with that. Um, so the question is, is it? And I thought I read that uh, Fernando Santos said he wouldn't play the players, but... I just think, to me, uh, I just don't feel... See, I'd be surprised if he fielded a second-string team. But again... And, and by the way, let me just say, because I want to see on Thursday, which is the day I dropped this, I want to see the training schedule. I'm actually dropping this on Wednesday night, actually. But I want to see this training, and I want to see you know if players uh, that have been hurt, if any of them are coming back. I know Otavio is not going to be available. Danilo. Uh, we obviously just talked about Nunu Menj. Um, but I just want to see, because last time I spoke, Nunu Menj was okay. And then the day of, you know, he played because, you know, he only had one or two days of practice and he got to play. So I don't want to be surprised. I want to wait and see what happens with the training on Thursday. So I'll put out a much more uh, comprehensive uh, starting 11 on the Portuguese soccer.com Twitter come on Thursday. But let me just discuss what I think will probably be and what I'm leaning toward. Uh, I think first off, um, the question is, does Santos put uh, Cancelo on the left, Delo on the right, and that way Guerrero's not going to play? Uh, but by doing that, uh, you keep Cancelo in the lineup, who, you know, obviously is Juan Cancelo, one of the better you know backs in the world. Uh, Diego Delo, a lot of people feel he deserves a chance. His form with Manchester United was awesome. But Rafael Guerrero's been pretty good too. He's been okay. He's been okay. So the question is, is are they going to make that change and is he going to switch Cancelo around? Now, based on what we've seen about Fernando Santos, he's very conservative. He doesn't take chances. So will we see him put João Cancelo on that side? I don't know. I would say for me, what I think is going to happen, 
Uh, and this is kind of, again, I'm going to put out another prediction uh, on Twitter. But I would say for now, I think definitely think you're going to see Diego Costa as goalkeeper. I think not. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they put in Patricio, but I don't see a change. I think they want Costa to continue to feel that pressure and only get better, which he's only going to do. Um, I think it's going to be, uh, in my opinion, I think it will be Cancelo, Pep, uh, and Pep in the back. Uh, question, will Antonio Silva get the start over Ruben Diaz, who's got a yellow? Um, there's been a lot of people that have talked about that, that whether or not this might be the time to put in Antonio Silva. And worst case scenario, we lose. We're still playing in the round of 16. So if you're going to take chances, and again, Fernando Santos doesn't take chances. Does it take a lot of chances? Although he did take a chance putting Antonio Silva on the squad because he never went for somebody uh, so young. The question is: Does he put Guerre- uh, Does he put Diaz out? And in return, uh, does he put in Antonio Silva? Now, before I answer that question, I had the opportunity. Uh, I sent out a tweet um, and I asked the question: Should Antonio Silva get the start on Friday versus South Korea? Portugal has clinched qualification already. But finishing first in the group should help avoid Brazil in the round of 16. Here's some of the comments that I got uh, from you, many of you, the followers. Uh, first off, Johnny C, yes, start him. Diaz is on a yellow and Pep is 39 is an injury risk. Get the kids some World Cup experience in case he's called into action down the road in this tournament. Uh, I like experience, uh, Johnny. The only problem is, and, and everyone talks about Pep at 39, but you know what? Pep at 39 is still better than a lot of center backs in the world. A lot. I know a lot of teams in the World Cup, if they had to do fantasy league and they had to choose defenders, I think we all know Pep would be one of the first two, three uh, center backs that's going to be picked. So I, 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 this whole thing about him in 39... I don't, I'm sorry, I don't agree with that. But uh, he does want to see Antonio Silva in the lineup. Uh, Canoe, um, regardless of yellows, Santos should rotate the bench anyway. Even if we tie or lose, you will have to win the World Cup against hard opposition anyway. Let's see what others can bring to the game. Maybe if they do well, Santos will make uh, squad changes. Uh, Pedro Gomes uh, from Canada with the 100 emoji, he likes that idea. Taylor Amarant, who, by the way, is a comedian in uh, California. Let me give him a shout-out. TJ Amarant. Uh, he also does uh, – he's a host of Quakes Exclusive on NBC Sports California. Let me give him a shout-out. Uh, he says yes to Antonio Silva. Uh, Chris Coelho, another great comment, always commenting on uh, the Twitter thing here. Yes, we shouldn't rest Diaz. We need him. And he has a yellow, and Antonio deserves a shot to prove himself. Uh, Paulo Sergio resents. He always has an opinion. <laughs> and I say that respectfully. Um, he has to because Ruben Diaz is one yellow it's from getting suspended. Uh, Big Porto fan, FCP 1992. Yes for Diaz because he is on a yellow. Uh, so he's another one. So, so far, majority of the people want Antonio Silva. Flash. With the Portugal emoji, Santos already mentioned that anybody on a yellow is not playing, so it looks like Silva and Pepper are only center back options. We'll see. I heard that too, uh, but he could change his mind. Uh, Paul Silva from Toronto. Yes, please. He wants Antonio Silva. Uh, Siram. Yes, yes. DS Pep needs game time, so play him and Silva. Uh, yeah, for Diaz, Pep needs game time, so play him and Silva. Yeah, so they're going with Pep and Silva in this one. Giuseppe Alberto. 
Portuguese, Italian, American on his thing. A uh, big fan of Tottenham, Benfica, Revs, Patriots, Twins, Twins. Did I see that right? Twins, Minnesota Twins. Yeah, St. Louis Blues and Celtics. Uh, yes, for Diaz on the because he's on the yellow. I play D. I play Silva and Pep. Uh, Jimmy V for Sarapage. So he wants Antonio Silva. Um, Silva. Eddie Ormond. Yes to Silva. Claudio Pardal, yes. Ruben Diaz and Danilo are one yellow card away from being suspended from the round of 16. Uh, Forza Portugal, Danilo is out injured anyway. Uh, Danny Leanders used the meme of a guy saying, yes, there you go. I think this is a meme from uh, that movie uh, Step Brothers. I hope I got that right. And then Rick DeFactos, one of the biggest Cristiano fans I know. Don't ever say anything bad about Cristiano Ronaldo because Rick DeFactos, We'll come after you, but I say that as a compliment. He also agrees to it. So a lot of people agree to Antonio Silva. We'll see if, in fact, that happens. I think it's going to be Costa, Cancelo, Pep. I'm going to go with Silva and Guerrero only because if you're going to play the kid, this is the match, and I don't think you're going to take a chance with the yellows. Uh, in the midfield, um, Bernardo, Rubinez, William, I, I don't think uh, – well – Actually, you know what? I think I'm going to take Neves out, and I like the idea. I think he's going to give Vitinha a shot. Um, that's what I think he's going to do. Uh, let me see here. Uh, I don't think Bruno's going to play, although, I mean, Bruno's been hot. Bruno has been red hot, man. When you're in sports, when somebody is hot and is scoring or is hitting home runs or is scoring 50 points a game in an NBA game, the rule of thumb is you do not sit that player. On the other hand, this is Bruno Fernandes, one of your best players, and you need him against uh, a Brazil. Uh, but you know what? Bruno, in my opinion, is one of those players that's smart enough to realize that he shouldn't get a yellow and he's not going to challenge. So you know what? I'm going to go with uh, Bruno. Uh, and then up top, I don't think there's going to be any uh, surprises. Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, João Felix. Opportunity for these two players, who, by the way, are playing for new clubs. They're playing for their future, especially Cristiano, who doesn't have anybody to play for now. And then, of course, we know Felix has been trying to get out of Atletico uh, Madrid. So, um, you know, those are my thoughts on the 11. Uh, again, um, again, I'll, I'll do a much more confirmed one on my Twitter account on uh, on Thursday. But Costa, Cancelo, Pep, Silva, Guerrero, uh, Bernardo, Vitinha, William, uh, Bruno, Ronaldo, and Felix. Um, you can't afford to rest. I saw a report today, and I don't know where they get it because they don't cite their source. They were saying that uh, apparently in training, Fernando Santos or the assistant of Fernando Santos fielded uh, an 11 in training that a lot of people thought. Uh, my only problem with that um, is uh, I just don't think you take that big of a chance. Well, one thing, by the way, about the 11, if he does make any changes, I can see Rafael Leon come into the game for either Cristiano or Felix. But I think the idea of bringing uh, uh, Rafael Leon off the bench when you need a goal, I think I just like that idea better. That's not to say that he's not a starter. He is, but I like the idea that uh, you know he would uh, play uh, coming off the bench. I think he's much more vital uh, in that uh, way. Um and talking about South Korea, uh, obviously they're managed by the Portuguese manager, Paulo Bento, who is uh, suspended uh, for this match. But obviously this is uh, somebody that knows Portuguese football. He knows these players very well. Uh, he's managed a few of these players like Pep and Cristiano, so he knows their personalities. Um, but does South Korea have the talent 
to play a Portugal, and that's going to be the big discussion. Now, they've only played each other once, and that was back in the 2002 World Cup when South Korea beat Portugal 1-0. Uh, that was the game where I think João Vieira Pinto was uh, sent off. By the way, João Vieira Pinto's my idol. And, um, you know, but South Korea doesn't have the talent in Portugal. Um, it's also one of those countries where I don't think we even have any Korean players playing in Portugal. We have so many countries in Portugal, I don't even think we have Koreans. But their last two World Cups, South Korea has not made it out of the groups. Last time they made it out of the groups was in 2010 in South Africa. Uh, and I'm not going to pronounce their names, but I know their best player, their best striker, hasn't been playing yet. He's uh, been hurt. Uh, Wang He Chan. Okay, I am going to say a few names. Uh, he has a hamstring problem. But uh, he's uh, still doubtful for Friday. Uh, and then the question is, is uh, you know, um, they've got a player named Sung Huang Min, who's got 107 caps. That's a lot of experience. Um, but the question is, is, you know, what can they do? Um, you know, uh, are they, are, they're not better than Portugal. But the thing that's scary, I think, in my opinion, the last two World Cup matches... And I think that friendly win against Nigeria. I think we saw Portugal play the way Portugal should be playing, what we expect them to play. Not just because they won, but because they scored goals. And it was exciting. But if we go back to the Portugal that lost 2-0 to Switzerland, the Portugal that lost at home in Braga to Spain and was eliminated from the Nations League, and we go back to being that Portugal, especially because, remember, there is going to be some changes in the eleven. We have to be very careful with South Korea because they can be, you know, in my opinion, a little bit dangerous. And, you know, they drew uh, with uh, with Uruguay. And I know we beat Uruguay, but I still consider Uruguay to be a very top opponent. Um, but that's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. So the question is, is which team shows up? Is it the Portugal that's been playing the last three matches? Or is it the Portugal that played against Switzerland and Spain? You know, are this, you know, in the Nations League, is this, what type of Portugal team is going to show up? But I think we need to win the group, which is also good for FIFA rankings. We need to win to avoid playing Brazil. And then the question is, is will we play either Switzerland or Serbia? Switzerland, we beat them up in Alvalad, and then we lost to them in Switzerland with the Nations League. Totally different teams, Jekyll and Hyde. Serbia, we know about Serbia. We drew 2-2 with Serbia in World Cup qualifying in third place. We should have won because, obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo's goal was called off. So we know that whole controversy, and the referee blew it. But then we came home to lose, and all we had to do was, if I remember correctly, draw. And we didn't, and we had to go to the playoff. So do we want to play Serbia? Um, neither. I mean, look, no team at this point is easy. But these are teams that have already played us and have had some recent success. If we're playing a team that we haven't played in like six or seven years, you're talking about brand new people, players that have never played against each other, things like that. But now you're talking about two potential opponents next week. And I'll talk about this more next week in my next episode um, You know that I'll drop before the round of 16 match. We're talking about playing teams that kind of have figured this out a little bit already, and that's dangerous. But what we got to do on Friday is worry about beating South Korea. Let's hope we do it scoring two or three goals. And hopefully we continue to show it. And I know a lot of people that love Portugal. Um, and I know a lot of people that love Portugal because they're fans of the Portuguese team. Um, and there's a lot of people rooting for Portugal. I think a lot of people would love to see them uh, go through. And obviously me and you are, are no doubt one of them. So you know we'll see what happens. But I'm not going to make a prediction. I will only say that I think Portugal should win. 
Uh, okay, I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to say 3-1. to one. Best case, 3-1. to one. But if something goes wrong and we lose, uh, in my opinion, if we uh, wind up losing, uh, it'll be something like 2-1, uh, to one, in my opinion. Um, so I'm going to give it to you because I don't know which Portugal team is going to show up. Best case, 3-1. to one. If the real Portugal shows up. If the old Portugal shows up that struggles, Santos ball... Then I see we're going to lose 2-1. to one. So we'll see what happens uh, with the, those two uh, results. And again, the match on Friday, uh, a little early for us in North America. It's 10 a.m., uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 1,500 hours in uh, Portugal. So it's a daytime match for a lot of us. Uh, so I guess for me, a late breakfast and watch the game. And I don't have any fingernails left. I don't know about you when you get nervous. Do you bite your fingernails? Uh, like I told you last game. Sit in your lucky chair, wear your lucky shirt, uh, do everything you do because it's been working for Portugal these last two games. And, and I do believe in that stuff where you bring your good karma, good karma will happen. Uh, the only one that could stop us is Fernando Santos' ideas. But I think if we all gang up together, our karma could eventually take care of business and, and go through. Um, let me end this podcast uh, like I always do, uh, ending it up here. And that is very quickly... I always talk about my hometown team in Portugal. I should have probably have talked about this in my first uh, episode, my first part of the episode here. Um, and that is my team. Everybody asks me, who is my favorite team in Portugal? And it is, of course, Atletico do Arco. My main team that I've always liked is Arsenal. Uh, I got a lot of new followers. The numbers are exploding with this account. So let me just introduce you to that. New, big New York uh, Red Bulls fans because I've got multiple reasons for being fans of them, both on a personal level and as well as uh, the fact that, uh, you know, I, I know the club. Um, but uh, uh, my team in Portugal is a team in the districts. My dream is to see them working their way up. They've been to the playoffs twice and have never managed to make it to the fourth division. And I want to follow them and try to see if they go up to the top. But last week we lost at home, uh, shockingly, 4-1 to one at home to a club. That's in sixth place called Cardinal Lentz. We lost four to one at home. Now, the good news was that the other team behind us with 27, so Atletico Rakers in first with 30 points. Second place team, Lemianos, they also lost. Uh, and they were they also suffered a loss. Uh, they lost to a club from the middle of the pack called UD Lunenzes. And uh, so as a result, Arcos is still in first place. Uh, with 30 points, Limianos is in second with 27. But the problem is that the third place team now is at 26 points because they won last week. Vitorino, the Pionge, and uh, actually they drew last week with uh, Cerveda. So that actually is not so bad. But Portugal with a three, uh, excuse me, Atletico Atlético with a three-point lead. And by the way, you know what else I noticed looking at the standings? And I, I never talk about them because they're not my favorite team. There's actually another club in this group. And I totally missed it, and I apologize for not even talking about it before. It's a club called Tavra. Tavra used to be at the bottom of the districts. I mean the bottom. And I remember one time my cousin used to be involved with them, and he used to say that every time they made promotion, that they would always eat big leiton. They would, they would roast a big leiton. But I didn't realize that they're in this division because I wasn't necessarily paying attention to anyone at the bottom. But they're actually in fourth place, another club from Marcos de Valvez. They're in fourth place with 19 points. Now, they're not going to catch up to Atletico do Arcos with 11 points. I just don't see that. But um, I got to give a shout-out to Tavara. Tavara, 19 points in fourth place. Not bad for a club that I always think is just really bad. But I, I got to give them their respect. Anyway, folks, uh, again, short podcast. Uh, this wraps up episode 147 of the World Cup uh, preview. 
where are you watching the game from? Wherever it is, I hope it's with the cold one in your hand. I hope we enjoy Portugal. I hope we are all happy on uh, Friday. And then the countdown will begin as we begin the round of 16. And again, I'm predicting that, to me, anything less than semifinals would be a big disappointment. Uh, Cristiano Oliveira was my guest three episodes ago, predicted that they would win. Um, my guest last week, a great episode last week with Nino Torres. Check it out. We spoke about uh, Portugal, but we also spoke a lot about the Liga B win. But uh, he predicts Argentina is going to win, so we'll see. Um, and again, uh, do check out my last few episodes. So much relevant stuff and, uh, again, getting a lot of good reviews. But anyway, I'm going to wrap it up here because I've got some stuff i got to do this evening. And this ends episode 147. Again, uh, if you're listening to it the first time, give it a follow on uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict. It's on YouTube, Amazon Music. Um, it's just on so many different things, and, and I want to ask you to follow. At the very least, give it a follow. Folks, that'll wrap up episode 147. Please take care of yourselves. Please take care of your families, and I'll talk to you next time. Ciao.